You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. We are coming to you after Game 1. Think about that, folks. Uh, and joining us now to talk about it, the All-American, the two-time Super Bowl winner, three-time conference champion, and now on the ballot for the College Football Hall of Fame, the one and only Dan Neal, best player at Texas ever to wear number 69, by the way. Uh, Dan, how the heck are you doing, my man? Man, I'm doing good, Chip. Um, I had a surgery a couple weeks ago, so I'm laying on the couch recovering. Yeah, you, I mean, I'll just say it, you're tough as nails. You had knee replacement. You didn't just have surgery. You had your knee replaced. How's that going? It's, it's a slow process. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, spent more couch time in the past two weeks than I probably have in the last 20 years. But um, it's, it's a testament to my patience and uh, letting the body heal on its own. <laughs> well, God bless you, my man. Mac Brown said it was the most painful, I think he said, three to four weeks right after the surgery. And then yeah. it was like new. I'm hoping I'm, I'm two weeks, so give me a couple more weeks and we'll see. Okay, fair enough. There he is, Dan Neal with his surgical, surgically repaired knee. He's got the titanium in there. We're, we're hoping the best for him. But, Dan, uh, Texas beats UTEP 59-3. to And I just, I just thought, look, they're a 43-point favorite, so they're playing a bad team. But they did what yeah. they're supposed to do against a bad team. They dominated. Yeah, I mean, we could do a whole show on whether or not they should ever play a team like UTEP. And, and I get what you're saying. You're absolutely right. The players don't schedule. They only play, show up and play whomever they is on that schedule. And it happened to be UTEP. And they went out and did, they did that. They took care of business against a team that they should have. I mean, they were 40-something points favorites, and they covered. Um, and that's what you expect out of a, a Texas football team. And they played to their level, not UTEP's level. And that's a big step for this team. Yeah, and I thought offensively, my goodness. I mean, oh. Sam Ellinger, at one point, he's 20 of 27, and 13 of those completions were for 10 yards or more, including yeah. the 78-yard touchdown to Joshua Moore on the first play of the game, <laughs> uh, a 20-yard touchdown pass to, to Cade Brewer, a 40-yard touchdown pass to late-arriving grad transfer Brendan Schooler. I mean – Brady right, Leibrock yeah. had two catches in the first half for crying out loud, Dan. I thought Mike Yersich did a great job yeah. of getting this offense into rhythm and, and spreading the ball around. Well, it, it, yes. I mean, who, who was it? Kai Money. I, who, who was that Kai guy? <laughs> I, I learned the whole passing core uh, roster last night. Um, and, and we don't know whether that was Sam distributing the ball, or if that was your shit's getting everybody in. But if we're going to pick a game to try to get everybody out on that football field, it's UTEP. Give everybody a shot. Let everybody get some action. Kind of feel around, see who the guys Sam's most comfortable with. You don't want to throw to that many guys all season. You'd like to narrow it down to about three or four guys that Sam's good with, and those are your core guys that you go with. It's nice to have that depth, but you want to kind of hone in on, on a couple – about four or five receivers – for the season. I think they will slowly progress to that, but I mean, you love the way Sam worked the ball, right? I mean, what, what was it? The third or fourth touchdown when he threw it to Brewer 
and and I forgot who was wide open in the end zone in front of Brewer. Could pick either one. Joshua Moore, I think. Yeah, that's it. it. Was Josh Moore? Yeah. So there's a lot of open guys out there last night. So you're the you're the man on the offensive line. I always come to you. You you watch the game differently than I do. You watch the line. You watch who's controlling the line of scrimmage. So I want to start with the offensive line. Obviously, you move Derek Kerstetter from right tackle to center. You've got Sam Cosme and Junior Angelau over there on the left side. They're the returning starters. But the right side, you had Denzel Okafor at the right guard and Christian Jones at right tackle. Yeah. What did you see from the offensive line? I thought, that, again, it's UTEP. I thought the pass protection against UTEP was very good. I, I liked Jones at right tackle, and I, I probably spent a little more time on that side than I did on the left side just because you kind of know what you get with Cosme. I'm going to wait to Cosme plays somebody to watch him. And Angula, you kind of know. Kirk Setters is as solid as they come uh, inside there. Uh, so I did spend more time. Um, Okafer, I've always thought, was an athletic guy, but struggled out, outside of tackle on that island by himself which means those are guys really should be playing guard. And I give it to Han for recognizing that and moving him inside where he's much more comfortable. Again, I like the pass protection. I'll say this, with the talent running back that they have, they've got to run the ball better throughout the season. I think up front they need to block better and they need to get better at running the football as the season progresses because they've got some really good running backs back there and they got to find one of those three guys that can really be the guy this year. Let's stay right there, Dan, because I know you're a guy who's all about let's let's run the ball. I mean, you loved it when you you blocked for Ricky Williams and Priest Holmes and Terrell Davis. So and Sean Mitchell, you love it when the running play is called. What did you see from the running game? Because, you know, Rashawn Johnson averaged four yards a carry. That's nice. You had you had Keontae Ingram averaging, you know, four yards a carry. And then uh, Bajan Robinson had that 29-yard run that made him average like eight yards a carry. But yeah. what did you see? It was a little inconsistent. What did you see from the running game? See, now let, let me also back up and say this. I only watched the first half. I got bored and turned it off. Yeah, exactly. So anything you talk about that happened after halftime, I don't know about it. To me, it doesn't count. Right. You know, in the first half of that football game, they didn't run the ball that well. They may have had some bigger plays in the second half and made up for it. Uh, just because to me, that at that point, the game was over for everybody. Uh, what I saw, basically what, what I see Yursich wanting to do is he's basically running a nickel offense, which everybody does now. And inside that box, and he's going to be that lead blocker, ISO on the linebacker, and that's where the running back's going to look to run. Uh, the running back's got to do the read progression through the, the, the end man on down, depending on the play. So you want to start at that guard-tackle combination, then you look inside the center guard and not, uh, on down to see where – the ball should be going and have confidence in that tight end getting on that linebacker and creating that seam. They just, to me, the backs looked like they were still trying to find that seam. And against UTEP, it should have been a huge seam. There should have been plenty of room that you and I could have run in there. And there was just a couple times where I, I saw the back hit the line and there was just nothing there. And against, again, UTEP, there should always be something there. So what did you see? What did you like from Roshan Johnson, Keontae Ingram, Bijan Robinson, you know, what did you notice about those guys? Oh, I like all three of those guys. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, if you were to, you know, make me pick a guy, I've always liked Roshan Johnson. He just, the way he runs, he always finds something. You know, when you give him the ball, he's going to get you two or three, and he just, he's tough. 
and, and he just – he has such a natural instinct for it. You know, here's a guy that's never run, and they give him the ball, and all of a sudden he's your best running back last year uh, again because of injuries and other things. Keontae's a good player, too. You know, it, it's hard to knock him. But what, what I think you'll see is they're going to play all three of these guys, and they're going to find the hot hand, and, and one of these guys will start emerging in that second half. Uh, as this season progresses. But, again, with that much talent, I'd like to see him run the ball better. As far as which one's the guy, who do I think's the best talent, they're all good. It's really hard to say at this point. Your son, David, played at Westlake with Sam Ellinger. You've seen Sam Ellinger from the time that he was, you know, just getting into high school. And now here he is, four-year yeah. senior. I thought he was fantastic last night. What, you know, Mike Yersich comes in. I thought the yeah. offense got into rhythm so easily. I mean, obviously, the first play of the game was a 78-yard touchdown. But what you, you're, you're inside the game. What did you notice about Sam, his comfortability, Mike Yersich, from you know, just being able to watch it and see how easily they got into rhythm? Yeah. Again, let's, let's put this in context. Um, last year, this was an offense that seriously ran the same play back-to-back which is something that they do like in peewee football. You know, it was that bad. And so to say that they got in rhythm, they finally got something going on on offense and no question, they're getting coached up over there. And you like what you see. I mean, you know, that, that the Joshua Moore first play of the game is simple safety playing a little bit too over the top and, and just a simple slant route. That's a high percentage play. You get in a great athlete, go make a play. You know, that, that's what I always wondered what they didn't do more of last year. Just get it in Duvernay or Collins' hands and let him go do the thing, you know. And Sam is much more comfortable. I've always said it, Sam is much more comfortable with the shorter passes. He struggles more with the deep ball. Now, last night, I felt he looked good doing everything. But you could see early in the game, it was the short stuff that Yersich was calling. Uh, no need to go deep yet. Let's just get some high percentage throws out and get everybody in a rhythm. As far as Sam, it, it, Sam looked to me like, the quarterback that he's been hyped up to be the past three years. He, he really – going into this season, I, I question where Sam is going to end up in the NFL, you know, where he'll be drafted, what will happen with Sam. Because I just felt like he wasn't throwing the ball as purely and as good as I felt he could. Last night I thought he looked like the Sam Unger that I'd always seen. Comfortable throwing, the ball, throwing great footballs just in his element. And I think it has a lot to do with uh, your sits in the – the rhythm of that offense, Chip, as you were talking about, just getting in that rhythm, confidence what they're doing, confidence in the guys that are throwing the football too, uh, and confidence for five guys up front. That's a big part of it. He's been beat up back there. Yeah, he was protected last night. Yep. And that, that makes all the difference in the world too when you have confidence to step forward and, and make those throws. I talked to a couple sources today. We're recording on Sunday after the UTEP game who said wide receiver by committee this year. So you lose Devin Duvernay, you lose Colin Johnson, and you have nine receivers catching passes, six <laughs> different receivers catching a touchdown. Dan, I mean, I you couldn't draw up an opener any better than that. Get everybody involved. Kai Money, as you said. But yeah. what did you see from the receivers that makes you think, you know what, Texas might be okay without Duvernay and Colin Johnson? Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, Duvernay and Johnson are, are great players. Johnson, I don't think, had the year we expected him to have last year. So, to me, it was like I, he's a hell of a talent. He'll be a great NFL player, but he really didn't contribute as much as we would think last year. 
Duvernay was the one that I was worried about. I've always been a big Duvernay fan. Uh, losing him was, what, do you have 109 catches or something last year? Yeah, that's 106 a, that's a catches. Number. 106, thank you. That's a big number to replace. But I was always kind of excited about this Jordan Whittington. Um, you know, he was hurt last year, but he's a guy that kind of excited me. I, I, I want to see Jake Smith. Remember, Jake Smith didn't play. Right. You know, he's a guy that's exciting. Um, you did have, like you mentioned, you, you did have a void filled with Black and uh, the other uh, late transfer, who I cannot pronounce his name. Yeah, Brendan Schooler. Schooler. You know, Black and Schooler, two transfer guys stepped in. Black obviously is going to be a guy they're going to look to contribute a lot. Schooler, we'll see. But they, they filled a lot of those spots, you know, whether with transfers or young guys. And then Joshua Moore. I mean, he looked fantastic, right? You know, so there's definitely some talent at that receiver position. And tight end, Dan. Yes. I've been talking up Cade Brewer. People yes. think I'm crazy, taking crazy pills. And I'm like, Cade Brewer is the man. Y'all just need to wait. And then there he was. He catches a five-yard pass, a 15-yard pass, a 20-yard touchdown pass. Cade Brewer, baby. I mean, the tight end position is alive. And, and you're exactly right. In fact, when you, you asked me the question, I, tight end was the first thing that came to mind, and it, it, it left. And thanks for bringing it back up, Chip, because that was, to me, the biggest difference in this offense was the play of Cade Brewer in the tight end position. They've had tight ends in the past, but they just never seem to use them. I always – how many times you and I would talk about, well, where's Brewer? Why, I mean, why aren't they getting the ball to Brewer? Great hands. You know, great hands, great catcher, and so often the tight end gets lost in coverage. I mean, you think – I'm watching them, and, and like I said, they, they do this H-back thing where they bring Brewer – they motion them in behind box, behind, inside the tackles, and they ISO on the linebacker. Well, think about this play. You motion him in, you ISO him on the linebacker, but he slips out in the flat and you do play action. He's going to be open all day long. You know, there's a lot of plays that they can do getting that ball to Brewer, you know, on play action, a lot of different scenarios. And, and with your sake, I feel like they're going to be doing that and utilizing Brewer as much as they can because he, he's a, a talented guy that has not had a chance to shine. All right, let's get over the – before we get to Texas Tech in two weeks, let's get over to the defense because I've said one of the things we have to watch is can they get pressure with four? Can they control the game with four? They didn't get a lot of sacks. The, the first sack they got was from Alfred Collins, the freshman, in the second half when the game was decided. But they controlled the game. Oh, yeah. U, UTEP wasn't running the ball. No, They tackled. They tackled. They tackled, and they were running all over the place. They played really aggressive up front. And, and I kind of was watching Joseph Asai, seeing how he fit in. He still got to kind of get comfortable rushing the passer. And as you mentioned, they didn't have a sack to the second half. They're going to look for Asai and Graham, I think. Well, yeah, maybe Asai and Graham. But those guys that step up and get some pressure. Didn't get a lot of that last night. But, man, they shut the run game down. They played the rush defense really well. Um, up front, those those front four, well, five, six guys, I, I really like. Um, secondary is, is talented as well, but they're, if they can shut the run games down like they did last night, they'll be in good shape. Yeah, Josh Thompson last night, he was in coverage, always where he was supposed to be, had the interception. Yeah, that was a great play. He had a cut or something where he had to go get some stitches, but he's going to be fine. But you know, we've been talking about Josh Thompson all camp, and he's a veteran guy who's been waiting his turn, and, and he looked good last night. He did. You know, I, I do like what they did on defense. Um, you know, 
I, I've always felt you need a four-man front, and I felt last year they were getting a little too cute in some of the things they were doing. All that defense is is what we used to call a 4-2 nickel, 4-2-5, whatever you want to call it. It is a base nickel defense that everybody runs, and you take a guy like Asai and you just you have him standing up instead of his finger in the dirt, there's your four-man front. It's a base thing. They knew what they were doing on the defensive side of the ball, but they were executing what they were doing, and that's a big part of it. Is you can have these, you know, really cute, complicated defensive schemes where if you don't know what you're doing, that help you. I'd rather have simple and know what we're doing, and that's what it looked like they had last night. They all knew what they were doing there in the right place. Yep, playing fast. Um, yep, and and then when you look at right in the middle, I mean. You know, Tavondre Sweat, number 93, this guy looks like an NFL player. And you have Keandre Coburn. I like Keandre. <laughs> and now you're adding in, you know, Alfred Collins, who looks like a fifth-year senior, for crying <laughs> out loud. He's a freshman. Um, this is exciting in terms of what they can get going defensively. It is, because, I mean, you really you look at it, you got Coburn and Graham, who are the two guys coming back, with size coming back. And then kind of for me, after that, there's some question marks. You know, who are going to be those next guys to step up in those spots? And you saw a little bit of it last night. Obviously, you're going to sit on your starters, but other guys stepping in, getting some chances, young guys developing and maybe stepping up through the year. But, again, the thing is, is they just look like they, they're fundamentally playing well, everyone. And, and as, as a fan, that's what you want to see. Tackling, no missed assignments, just basic – Blocking a tackle, on, on, at least for me, on the defensive side, I felt like they have not been that way in the past few years. Yeah, and how about Court Jaquist, the former walk-on, getting the start at middle linebacker, and he that. ends up with you know six tackles, and he's everywhere in the right place. Delia Dayway still coming back from the shoulder injury, so so Court Jaquist gets the start. Demarvin Overshawn had and he, five and he tackles. started in the, the ball game as well, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I liked him in the bowl game. I was like, where's this guy been all year? Yeah, he fits. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. Yeah, and DeMarvin Overshawn, two tackles for loss. He, you know, he didn't come in for voluntary workouts. He just came in for the start of camp. He was a little light, but he looked good last night. He did. He did. I liked zero. It's a good number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so now, now let's, they're going to be off a week, and then they're going to go out to Texas Tech. Texas Tech struggled with Houston Baptist, for crying out loud. Yeah. At uh, FCS school, the Big 12 took it on the chin over the weekend. My God, the Sun Belt went 3-0 and against the Big 12, Dan. What the hell's going on around here? You know, look, I'm not going to sell the Sun Belt short. You know, we're watching the football game, and, and my son's like, who, who are the Reagan Kagans? <laughs> Yeah. Like, hey, the Raging Cages are damn good. They are. It's good football. Uh, it, it, you know, Arkansas State, people don't realize that is a good football team. They're, they And they put a lot of emphasis on it. They really are trying to promote that, that program. Um, so they that Sun Belt, those are good football teams that beat Big 12 teams. No way should they beat Big 12 football teams. You know, but then you look at it as a fan for Texas, like, okay, if we cannot find a way to beat the two Kansas schools in Iowa State after that, we're in trouble. And then you're right. And then, you know, Tech barely beats Houston Baptist, who we didn't know had a football team until this week. <laughs> you know, you it, – it's going to – you know, Chip, look, they got to go out to Lubbock. Lubbock's always a challenge. I don't expect Tech to be able to stay in with Texas. Honestly, this season, it's going to come down to the same thing it always comes down. It's going to come down to October and Oklahoma. You know, Baylor may give a threat. We don't know. They didn't play. That game was postponed. 
Uh, you know, TCU is going to be a challenge. They're always going to be Oklahoma decent. Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, these are teams that are going to give them a, a run, but they should beat all of them. And they should roll over Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State. You know, we'll see, but they got to find a way. Not to get ahead of ourselves. You got to find a way to be Oklahoma. That's really what it's going to boil down to. All right, we'll be right back on the flagship podcast here with Dan Neal, um, All-American offensive lineman at the University of Texas, two-time Super Bowl winner with the Denver Broncos. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so put it into perspective for the, for the Texas fans, because you've, you've played in blowouts and, and turned around and had a tough game the next week. What if you're, if you're talking to the players first and then talking to the fans, what, what would your advice be? I'll get, let, me, let me give you a scenario. I, I was with somebody today, and he goes, hey, Dan, I'm hearing about Texas Clemson for national championship game. I said, okay, let's stop. All right. I've been fighting this battle since 2008, and that is let's not talk about a national championship till we can at least talk about a Big 12 championship. 08's the last time Texas won one. They've only won three. All right, we've been over this. My whole thing is just everybody slow down, take a deep breath. You know, Texas is good. Sam looked good. Defense coordinators, everything looked good. It's all – we saw everything we want to see last night. So, I'm, I'm excited. I'm positive. But I also understand that there's that team in Norman that we got to deal with. And we got to find a way to deal with that. Then we got to find a way not to let a team that we're supposed to beat sneak up and beat us which we seem to always do. If we can do those two things, win the games we're supposed to win, find a way to beat Oklahoma, we're going to put up a fourth Big 12 championship. And we can do that, I'm happy. And if that leads to great great big things and playing in bigger games, awesome. Let's just get the damn Big 12 championship done and let's worry about the rest of it and let it take care of itself. All right, now I want you to go back with me to 1996. (laughs) Because you were a part of the very first Big 12 championship and one of those three Big 12 championships that Texas has right now, 1996, 2005, 2009. In 1996, it probably wasn't the regular season you were looking for. I think you were eight and four. Or, yeah. But by God, you had players. Yeah, we and, did. And we did what was going on inside that team that allowed you to go to St. Louis and handle Nebraska? We, we had some struggles early in the year, lost some games that maybe we should have lost, but the fact that it was the first year of the Big 12 and the first year of a Big 12 championship game, those were new things back then, conference championship games. That was a new fad. They just – Big 12, you know, they decide they need to keep up the SECs, and so here we go. We have this Big 12 championship game. Back then, Oklahoma was terrible. Uh, we're in the south. The two dominant Big 12 teams were Colorado and Nebraska. They're both in the north. So we really were in a great position uh, because we were still in the hunt because in the South, everyone kept losing. And we kept hanging in there. We kept hanging in there. So at the end of the year, all we had to do was beat A&M 
and we would get a chance to go play in the Big 12 championship game against the team, the winner of the CU-Nebraska game. And CU is a good team back then. Uh, and so once we realized we controlled our destiny, even though we had played poorly and, and tried to give it away, we still had this chance. And I, and I think we went out and beat A&M 55-15. to 15. I think that was the score. We kicked their butts up and down the field. That we had to feel peaking. good. Oh, that was one of the best games. We were playing good football at that moment. And I think it's because we realized we had a chance. And then, of course, we end up you know, getting Nebraska in the Big 12 championship game, a team that is back-to-back national champions. It only lost one game in three years on the road to Arizona State. And that Arizona State team was the, the, the Jake Plummer Big, uh, uh, Big 12 champion, or Big, uh, Pac-12 champion. They played in the Rose Bowl. They were a damn good team. It's the only team Nebraska had lost to in three years. And uh, you know what? We went out and we showed them a thing or two that day. I mean, your team in 96, think about the guys on that team. Yeah. You, James Brown, Ricky Williams, Wayne McGarity had a big game in that Big 12 title game. Yeah, uh, Casey Hampton on the Casey defensive Hampton. side of the ball, Ooh. Aaron Humphreys. And there's a guy that we – there's a guy on that team that we haven't mentioned yet and who never really played for us. And he decided because Ricky was hurt, he was going to show up in the Big 12 championship game, a guy named Priest Holmes. Priest Holmes. You know, I mean, there was, we, we were oozing with talent. You know, we just couldn't seem to get it together until the end of that season. And once we put it together, uh, we were as good as anybody in college football at that time. We really were. Uh, and I think when we, we beat Nebraska the way they did, that really sent shockwaves. That, no one expected that. What was that post-game locker room like? <laughs> well, you know what? We believed that we could do it. You know, I think after we did what we did to A&M, and, and, and the, you know, the story you tell all the time, and James Brown got up and said, hell, I think we're going to beat them by 21 points. You know, we, we believed in ourselves. And, and really, when you've got some talent and you believe in yourself and you don't doubt it, you can go out and kind of accomplish anything. And, and we did that day. You know, of course, we ended up losing the, the Fiesta Bowl to Penn State. But that day, on that, that, that day on, at that time, we were good. <laughs> hey, your year is up in the stadium forever. That's right. <laughs> 1996, baby. Yeah, there's not many people walking around with the Southwest Conference Championship and a Big 12 Championship. So I'm, I'm proud of that. Well, and, and Dan – Congratulations on being on the ballot for the College Football Hall of Fame. I mean, that's got to be just a great feeling. You know, it really is. And those players we just talked about, there's as big a reason as any. As I said, it was a very talented team. I was blessed to be on it and to, you know, have my name mentioned with some of the guys that are on the ballot with me. I'm still in awe. I mean, between you and I, I no way do I belong there. But I will cherish, and I'm very thrilled and uh, very humbled to be on that list. Well, why is it that every team Dan Neal's on wins championships? <laughs> I think it's because Dan Neal's on the team. No, Chips, here's my secret. When I was at Texas, I blocked for a Heisman Trophy winner. When I was in Denver, I blocked for a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I, thought, I just made sure I was on the team with the good players. <laughs> hey, well, that worked too. I mean, okay, so give us one, one John Elway story. I always hit you up for these. Playing for John Elway, what, uh, what's your favorite John Elway story there in Denver? My favorite – have I told you about the pool table? No. Oh, okay. This is my favorite Elway story. This is Elway to a T. We had this backup quarterback named Bobby Brister, and you may remember him. Oh, Bobby yeah, had Bobby. a big mouth. You remember Bobby Brister? Bobby had a big mouth, and he'd run it all the time. 
him and John would hang out, and they were down in John's basement playing pool. Well, the next day they get to the locker room, and Bubby is just wearing John out. Apparently, Bubby beat John at pool the night before, and he won't shut up about it. He's just going on and on. And you can see John's just getting pissed, you know. He's getting sick and tired of this. So they go – that night they go back to John's house to play pool. Bubby comes in the next day. He's like, I've, I've never seen anything like it. We're like, what are you talking about? I show up at John's house. There's a brand-new pool table because if John lost the pool, it wasn't him. It was a damn table. He <laughs> got rid of the old table. got a new table. He's so mad about losing the Bubby. <laughs> and, and did Elway beat him? Yeah, he did him the next night. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. But, but that was John. Even at pool, man, he ain't losing. <laughs> so competitive. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great stuff, man. Uh, it's yeah. always fun. Dan, anything else that's on your mind from – from the game, from the Texas UTEP game, or or things fans should be thinking about, or anything. You know what? I'll say this. You know, after watching that game, we, we touched on a little bit about Sam and how well he played. I've always look. Texas has got a machine behind it when it comes to PR, and you're going to hear Sam and the Heisman Trophy talking all this. After last night, to me, Sam is a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. I really mean that because he is not – that's not a one – that's not a UTEP thing. He's going to play at that level every week. And what I've said about Sam always, and this goes back to when he was a freshman and I used to argue, argue with Man, uh, Manny about whether or not it should be Bouchelle or Ellinger. Uh, when he blocks on that one play where they get down to the end zone, he doesn't just, yeah, just get in the way. He drives the guy to the end zone. He, he blocks in 10 yards. That's Sam. You get a guy like that that can throw the ball like he does, guys are going to fall behind that. And they're looking to him to take them to the promised land. And last night he's basically showed his team, just follow me, I'll do the rest. And if that's the case, they may have a really special team this year. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to a Texas A&M fan today who said, man, we need a quarterback like Ellinger. <laughs> I love that guy. I just always believe he's going to win. You know, he reminds me of Stephen McGee. I was like, okay, all right, oh, all right. Oh. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Dan, it's great stuff, man. And I'm just thankful that you and I are sitting here talking some football, baby. I uh, know it was, it, it was a fun day yesterday to see football back on TV. Uh, I'm going to get ready to go downstairs and watch Tom Brady and, you know, the NFL now here. We're blessed to have this. So Absolutely. It's, it's fun to have it back, Chip. Hey, Dan, you're the best. Um, always a pleasure. Let's do it again soon. Hey, you know, anytime. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much. Thanks to Dan Neal. Thanks for listening to the flagship podcast. We will uh, have another episode out on Wednesday. So for, uh, you know, for all of you, thank you for listening and hey, stay safe and keep the faith. Until next time, I'm Chip Brown, the flagship podcast.